the Production Expert Podcast with Julian Rogers and Eli Kranzberg. Good evening. It is November the 23rd, 2020. Uh, I'm Julian Rogers. I'm James Richmond. And I'm Eli Kranzberg. And this is Production Experts podcast number 447. Right, so um, deals, uh, check out the Sonox deal because it's still current and it's just, it's unmissable if you don't already have Inflator. Go and buy Inflator. It's 75% off. Um, There's other big, big savings, but that's the one that's got my attention because I just love Inflator. And if you don't understand that, go and buy it and you'll understand. Uh, We've got other deals. Go to the the deals page and they're all on there. So straight on with uh, Talking Points and these are sponsored by Arturia. Hello experts and listeners, Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, so talking points. Um, last week, uh, we talked about uh, Avid Carbon because that was the big release of last week. But it wasn't the big release. It was one of the big releases of last week because we also had uh, a certain computer company brought out Apple Silicon-based computers. We bought one. Uh, Russ has been running some power tests on it, and this, the results are notable. Shall I leave it at that? Um and oh, yeah. I'm going to hand over to you guys, actually. Come, have you been across this? Have you been watching this? What do you think? I have, if I can uh, jump in here. I, you know, I am due an upgrade. I've been using my 2017 MacBook Pro 15 for the last three years. It, you know, it's still working fine, but I like to turn them over before the warranty runs out so there's still some residual value. So I went off before... Um, the, this announcement came out thinking, well, I'm, there's no way I'm going to get involved in Apple, Apple Silicon for the time being. I'm just going to go buy a 16-inch MacBook Pro, and that'll be me done. And then I bought it, and the thermals are crazy. I couldn't have this thing on my lap for any amount of time without turning off Turbo Boost. And even then, it was still really, really warm. So I struggled with it for a week. With It was within the return period for Apple and returned it. Uh, I chatted with Russ and there were some tools you could use to to try and manage the the heat, but it was just unusable. And I, I use my laptop all the time on my lap. So then I thought, well, okay, what am I going to do? I can either hold on to my 15-inch MacBook Pro or I can order the silicon. Started to see the specs, which are, you know, profoundly good. It runs super quiet. Oh, that, that was the other problem with the 16-inch. It was a choice between fan noise or ridiculous amounts of heat. So Apple Silicon, we have something that runs faster than the equivalent anything, really, and it's dead quiet and it's running cool. So I've got an order in for a 13-inch. It should be here 
on the 17th. Oh, so I think your colours are thoroughly nailed to the mast on that one then. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Eli, have you been keeping an eye on this? What do you yes, think? I have. You know, <clears throat> I'm also due for an upgrade. I have a five and a half year old iMac and it's still, you know, holding its own, but it's starting to, to you know, feel it. I'm starting to feel it. But I, you know, I've been back and forth with Russ this past week for that space designer test that we did in, in Logic and it's extremely impressive. Uh, you know, just to give you a ballpark idea, he's got um, a, a, a MacBook Pro from last year and i9 macbook pro and i've got my five and a half year old imac and we both got you know relatively comparable results about 210 instances of this convolution reverb that's native to logic called space designer in you know this test project that that was constructed and on the silicon he got 435 which is over double wow. so that yeah i know that's extremely <laughs> impressive so i'm also looking at this really closely because i'm ready to upgrade I'm, i want to wait till the next tier comes out i'm hoping you know in march or april there'll be like an imac with an you know an m2 chip and you know 32 gigs ram you know i, I mean i don't know what the spec's going to be but i'm just waiting for the next tier of them to come out but it is really impressive i'm not clear yet on you know the, the one of the most talked about aspects of it is this issue of RAM and how it's swapping with the internal hard drive and how that's going to affect sample loading. You know, the, this idea of you just need to load the attack portion of the sample into RAM. And, you know, so it, it I'm not quite clear yet on how the performance is going to be in terms of huge sample libraries. Uh, you know, now, of course, we can only measure it on these M1 chips with the 16 gig RAM. Mm. But um, that, you know, I'm curious to, to follow that and see, you know, where that goes. Because, uh, like I say, I'm still not clear yet on, on what the limitations are in, with this current, you know, generation of these first generation of the M1 chips. But, but I mean, uh, notwithstanding that, that RAM and sample loading thing, I mean, the performance looks absolutely incredible. <laughs> so to continue a theme, um, no, I'm, I'm not in that position, actually. I'm, I'm not planning on up, uh, upgrading my machine for a couple of years at least. Um, uh, I'm not the most power hungry of users, actually, and um, and I, I've always thought that actually, I mean, you can you can obsess over numbers, but it's a little bit like you know, if you're if you're driving a car on public roads, does it really make any difference if your if your car can do 140 or 170? It's like look, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But if you're regularly pushing a machine hard, of course, this stuff matters. But for me, not in that position. Look, 2018 uh, Mac Mini. Um, they're little rocket ships, actually, and I don't find I'm waiting for it. But this is perfect just because I don't think it's bef – I'll probably look, be looking to replace it maybe year after next. We should have the complete uh, lineup by then and should have the you know a full choice of machines because obviously if you're moving now, it's uh, while it's exciting and the early adopters all jump, I'm sure – for an awful lot of people, there's there's a lot of compatibility stuff, and also there's only one machine, and it looks amazing. But who who knows what else is coming? You know, I you was know, being can, a little bit cynical actually with this. Of uh, um, I was talking to Mike, and uh, I was saying about how you know the thing I was really excited about was carbon because I'd spent a lot of time with it, and it's um, yeah, it was speaking to me particularly. And there was also all this Apple Silicon stuff, and I was saying, okay, but at the end of the day, the headline is new computer is faster than old one, which is but it's true, it's different, and it's a lot faster. So, okay, that's it's, it's a, lot a little faster. bit disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot faster, and the architecture is so different. It feels like um, when the iPhone first came out, how much Apple has caught everyone else on the hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly yeah. seems – I mean, this is what I was going to come back to of the, uh, the, the lots of discussion about the, the use of RAM, but – while computers need RAM regardless of, of what architecture they're running – 
it's a totally different architecture, so you can't necessarily make a one-to-one comparison with an Intel exactly, platform. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm more concerned about, you know, because I'm not going to be able to get this a 16-inch or a 15-inch because it doesn't exist yet. So I'm going to be scaling down and, and effectively running the two machines, the 13 and the 15. And I have to say, you know, the great thing about Apple is you're in a return window. Part of why I'm doing this is I know that I can get it, I can play with it for a week or so, and then make a decision as to whether or not I send it back or not, and you know then someone can get a get a refurb. Um, I may stick with this. I may stick with it. I want to <clears throat> excuse me. I want to actually have it in my hands, work with it for a week, and see what I think. If mm. I end up returning it, and then I'll I'll just keep what I've got. It'll be outside its warranty there, and therefore will drop a bit in in value. Um, but then I'll get this 16 inch and hopefully that'll have a little bit more RAM, but you know, until I actually get my hands on it and see, you know, what do I, what do I use that, that uses a lot of RAM? Well, Spitfire, you know, sample libraries, particularly the orchestral stuff, which I'm always using that, you know, that chews up the RAM and, and, you know, the rest of it for me really is processor, you know, virtual instruments, that sort of thing. Uh, although Max MSP, you know, I guess I do load a lot of stuff into RAM in, in Max. Um. I think 16 gigs probably fine for for me. Uh, the the big issue though will be the s- smaller screen size and only two Thunderbolt ports. That's probably more of a limiting issue for me. The the there are signs that I mean I I can't say I'm 100 percent on top of exactly what the Thunderbolt differences are. I won't call them issues. They're just it's different, and you can't assume that what was what was good for one Thunderbolt port is necessarily good for another. Yeah. Well, I, so the, the the issue that I've seen that is probably the most worrying is in clamshell mode, you can't run dual monitors Yeah. with the yeah. new chip. And that might, you know, uh, okay, hopefully they fix that in the second edition because there's going to be a lot of really annoyed people out there if they have to go back to one monitor. It doesn't affect me. I like one monitor. I've got one big 32-inch monitor sitting in front of me. I don't like managing multiple, multiple monitors. I prefer to command tap ar- around. Um, but But certainly a lot of people do. Yeah, no, I'm a one monitor guy. Also, you know, Same another here. question is I have: that a... three of us who are single monitor. Yeah, yeah. that's so refreshing because yeah. I, yeah. I always feel like I'm in a minority here. But it's like mm. I always say, you can't look at more than one at a time. So you know, no, yeah. I, I don't want to have to look at the dividing line between the two monitors and, and right. then have to twist twist my head about. It just wrecks know, monitor placement. That's why I object to exactly. it. Exactly. And if you're running multiple sets of monitors like I am, there's there's no way I could do that. That two 27 inch monitors would completely obscure the keys and and you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, so this is a laptop. Now this is the the architecture isn't isn't tied, you know, to the form factor. And this is an interesting one, just because I mean, Russ has has been very um, uh, very vocal about his move to uh, laptop only, you know, MacBook Pro i nine mm. and retiring his uh, his trash can. Right. And when he was talking about that um, to begin with, what I was um, what I was really uh, concerned about from my experience of having a, an i7 15 inch MacBook Pro a couple of years ago um, was it wasn't about performance. The, the, it was a really nice computer, but it was just that thermal thing of that fan. Yeah. Mm. And oh. this is the standout thing for me is if it behaves thermally like my iPad, <laughs> but it's not an iPad because I really don't get on with iPads for doing anything more than just you know, casual browsing of stuff. I agree. They're not, they don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't think of iPads as creation devices, really. Yeah, I think of them as consum- consumption devices, and they're fine for that. And, yeah. um, and they are they are creation devices for people who want to do that and want to make make the switch. Oh, sure, you can. I just you know I'm more comfortable with a keyboard, mouse, and trackpad. So yeah, same with me. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, there, well, there is the Mac Mini available in the uh, with with the new chip. Is that available so for sale? Yeah, I know they exist is. for developer machines. No, no, it's available. There's three models: the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, 13 inch, and the Mac Mini. Okay, I'm I'm not adequately researched, so I defer to what you guys think. What I'm curious is if the, all three of those are running that Silicon M1 chip in the same you know, at the same level, if you can get the same performance on all three of them, I somehow doubt it, like a MacBook Air versus a Mac Mini. Okay, so I've, I've had a look, I look at this a little bit. So the Mac, the, the MacBook Air is fanless, completely fanless. So it will start to scale, as you start to put this under load, and I mean a serious amount of load, right. it will start to throttle its processor to manage heat, where right. the MacBook Pro, the 13, will keep its performance high and the fan will come on a little bit. I assume the same thing will happen with the Mac Mini, but I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I've got a, um, a Mac Pro 2019 Tower 16 core thing here. So I'm not interested in another desktop probably for a decade right. unless they bring out some, I don't know, 16 processor monster, you know, which they could with the M1, you know, that you just throw more cores at it. Well, the, you know, um, that's a, you brought up an interesting point. Now, this thing with the, the Apple Silicon M1 chip, it's a whole system on a chip. I don't know that you can just add more them in one machine because it's not they're not just cpus it's everything is on there i don't know if they're designed to have multiple chips in one machine that's good i guess that's a good point um i i guess they could add more cores they could build an, an m2 and m3 that right has 16 32 cores I, in yeah it. I, I think yeah. that's the way it's going to go i think yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there's there's an interesting um difference to explore here is i'm just thinking okay so uh James, your stuff, you're very broad across quite a few um, software tools. You mentioned Max MSP, you're a Pro Tools yep. user, you use Logic, Logic. as well. You, Nuendo, I mean, yeah. Yeah, a, a ton of stuff. Eli, you're, you're reasonably focused on Logic. That's your principal title, yeah. that's yeah, correct. So yeah. in that case, how what a transition onto one of these new machines would look, for, look like for you might well, be Logic rather different. It's completely native already. I mean, they released Logic 10.6 a, a, a day or two after the Silicon Max came out. And, and the main significant new feature in 10.6 is Apple Silicon compatibility and Big Sur compatibility. So in terms of running Logic, it's already ready. There's no problem. You know, like with everyone, it's going to be third-party plugins. And, you know, early reports are that everything is running fine in the new Rosetta 2, but, you know, it's still early days. But yeah, the transition will yeah. be relatively painless. It's a matter of audio interfaces supporting Big Sur. You know, th th that's more the... Uh, the issue at the moment but and and lots of little software tools like lots of little plugins and things yeah you know yeah. things you use every day like for for a long time the the reason i didn't go up to catalina wasn't because of anything to do with audio it was because my local um wi-fi network was managed by a devolo tool that you couldn't get for catalina so that was the thing that stopped me on on one machine on my portable going up to Catalina. And then yeah. I found another system that I could do it on and, and, and was able to jump. So it can be little things that that stump you. Yeah, um, Cat I found Catalina a really rough update for myself personally. And and this is bigger. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I guess we were all there when the the move to from G5s to uh, to right. the Intel, Intel. Yeah. and Rosetta the first time, like, God, that was painful. Yeah. Um, and that was I, led I, because of thermal issues. You know, it was like it was just because there was never a G5 PowerBook because there couldn't be because it would have branded right. people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, the, like that 16-inch i9, I was so disappointed. I was really gutted uh, because I, I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to want to get on the on the new M1, you know, silicon chip. I'm I'm not going to do it. But that was before the benchmarks came out. I just thought it was going to be a small point increase in 
processor capability or or maybe no increase, but the thermals were going to be better. So I, something I'm so occurs, surprised. Something occurs to me about what you just said, Eli, about um, mm-hmm. because yeah, of course, logic is is ready to go. Of course, it's got yeah. it's it's got a head start on everyone else for obvious reasons. But in that case, can you run a previous version of Logic through Rosetta if you huh, wanted interesting to? Interesting question. I because don't know. that would be an interesting way to find out how much performance is lost with stuff running through Rosetta versus natively. I'm thinking right. out loud here, and there might be some obvious mm. flaw with this that I haven't thought about. But Yeah, like to, to try and launch Logic 10.5.1 on a, a new Big Sur Apple Silicon machine. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting one, but yeah. I would imagine worth... I would imagine Apple would stop that from happening. Their, their tendency to do those sorts of things. So. Well, I'm, yeah. I, I can imagine you, you couldn't have both versions on at the same time, but if you if, if there's a way of installing one and then and then upgrading to the next one. Like a yeah, yeah, boot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a thought, but it's something that I thought, oh, actually, hang on, that's the one <laughs> piece, of, piece of software that you can try that with that's in our world because it's yeah. the only one that's ready. Mm. So in that case, I don't know, what are we talking timescale, really? Because, I mean, you've, you've ordered yours, James. Yeah, I'm just waiting. You know, my, on my iMac, whenever I'm rendering a ScreenFlow video, the fans ramp up and it's, you know, like an airplane hangar in here. And, you know, it turns off after a few minutes. But I, I'll be looking forward to a world without that. What what you'll get yeah. then is you'll get the next noisiest thing in your studio. <laughs> yeah. You'll just be chasing the noise floor down. What I've got is I can tell that I've got a really, really good noise floor going in the studio. Mm. Um, if I've got this one uh, DC adapter that puts out one of those really weird little kind of like squiggly, squiggly sounds, you know, not not like a whine or a buzz or anything like that. It's very quiet, but it's yeah, very distinctive. And if I can hear that, everything's good because <laughs> usually <laughs> there's something masking it, you know, so it's, yeah. Mm. Before I, you know, as my main system, before I had the Mac Pro Tower, I had, um, what was it, an, an iMac and then an i7 iMac and then a Mac Mini. The The iMac would occasionally spin its fans up and it was it was annoying enough to me to, um, to want to get rid of it and go for the Mac Mini. And then the problem that I had with the Mac Mini is a lack of discrete video RAM, uh, I'd occasionally get some tearing of the audio because of the sharing of resources um, with the uh, with this, you know the, the processor. So when I went to the Mac Pro, the 2019 Mac Pro, all of the noise in my studio disappeared. Now the only thing that I can hear is if I have one of the Dante uh, audio interfaces, so the um, A16R, the Focusrite, on for for uh, some of my outboard. It's what I connect to the Avid Matrix with. Uh, over Dante, they have a small amount of fan noise, but it's you can't pick it up by a mic, and I virtually never notice it. So that for for me, the going to that Mac Pro Tower was uh, you know a big game changer for me in terms of acoustic noise in the studio. Um, I got I got an interesting little noise floor anecdote. Um, I you know over the summer I got RX eight and it was my first time using RX. I got I got seven and then upgraded to eight pretty quickly. And I you know set up a little module chain for my voiceovers and, and it works great. And about a month ago, you know, as the colder weather came, I had to tr- start turning my furnace on, and the furnace is right behind my studio. And I never really was aware of it before, but there's just a subtle little, you know, enhanced noise floor from this furnace running in the room right next to mine. And I pulled up um, the D Russell module on RX8, and oh my God, it's like magic. You know, because I noticed this subtle furnace noise in my VO. Now that I've been processing it with with RX, I you know really zeroed in on that. And but but this D Russell module really took care of it beautifully. Hmm. Yeah, no, RX is is fantastic. I use it all the time. Uh, and I've upgraded to eight recently as well. I need to get advanced at some point, but I haven't quite stumped up the cash for that. 
Yeah. RX, the best thing best thing I can say about RX, apart from all of the amusing uh, in-jokes that went around when the D. Russell module was introduced and Russ was getting <laughs> very worried about his <laughs> future existence. But, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't... There's, there's a few um, regular processes that... I use all of the time and I'll use like regular plugins for, or I might use the isotope plugin versions, but it's psychologically, it's been a, it seemed like a bit of a chore to round trip something into RX and back. Yeah. And it's really not. And no. It's, mm. And so just doing things like, uh, because the results are so much better, doing stuff like, uh, uh, like de-essing or deplosive or something like that, just rather than going through and doing it manually, just chuck the whole thing over, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah there's a there's a workflow kind of um, block block in my thinking about that because it really it, doesn't take as long as you think it does. There's a really elegant workflow for logic to bring get it in and out of RX8. James, you probably know, it, but if there's any logic users listening, there's a really not fantastic but semi hidden feature in logic called uh, Open External Sample Editor. Do you know about this, James? Uh, it, yes, it, I do. Yeah, it's fantastic. For for those of you who don't know that are listening, uh, I've assigned a key command shift W to it, but basically I just select my audio file in logic, hit this key command, boom, it, it's like ARA. It just transfers it into RX8 and and then just click back into logic and it's immediately transferred back. It's, it's really invisible. It's really like a poor man's ARA. I've been using that for a very long time, so much yeah. so that I, I remember using that back when Bias Peak was yeah. the best yeah, yeah. sample editor. Like, how long ago was that? That was in the G5 days, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that works really well. What, so the way I tend to use RX is I've got a stream deck here with Soundflow. So I've, just, I've created a, a bunch of macros so I can literally press one button on the stream deck and it will do a bunch of different things in, in RX for me um, automatically. Wow. Very efficient. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I just, I do shift W opens in RX. I got my module chain, press render, click back logic done. Yeah. Piece of cake. It's not like that in Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, I'm wondering whether we should uh, move on to, to uh, find of the week and, and competitions and exciting things like that, because I think we've kind of, uh, any closing comments on, on, on these new Macs? I mean, they're new, they're fast. Everybody wants one. Yeah, just wait, wait and get the one you want that has the right number of ports and yeah. be happy, be happy. Everyone yeah. be happy. Just sit and <laughs> wag your finger slowly at your existing Mac saying, hmm, you better You know, I, I think Russ summed it up this. best when I, I was on a Skype call with Russ and, you know, we were talking about the results and he said, oh my God, what have Apple gone and done here now? Like, what has Apple done? Like, I mean, this is really a huge, huge shift. It's a game changer. And let's yeah, see, yeah. let's see who the first PC manufacturer is to copy it. Yeah. Anyone want to offer an opinion on who that might be? <laughs> no, I'm not going there. No, me either. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to competitions. Um, throughout November, with the support of Accentize, we're offering you the opportunity to win one of three prizes. The Complete Bundle, Speech Restoration Bundle, or D-Room Pro. Uh, check the win page for more details, as well as some competitions our partners are running. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, You'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be, and even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. And find of the week, this is sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio is up and running remotely. The team is set up and working from the safety of their homes and their sales staff are available by phone, live chat or email. 
to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Plus, of course, the link is in the podcast notes. So, find of the week, James, what have you come up with? Well, I'm going to be a bit greedy this week, and I'm going to go for two. Uh, The first is a set of Eve Audio SC3070 monitors. Uh, These are, I guess, um, something similar to the Neumann KH310s. They're a three-way and a true three-way where I did a review of the uh, 305s not too long ago, and and they're sort of a a two-and-a-half-way. This is a proper three-way with a 6.5-inch bass driver, a four-inch mid-range driver, and the RS3 ribbon tweeter. And, you know, for 1,500 quid or a bit under 1,500 quid uh, per speaker, I think they're they're really fantastic. Um, and so there'll be a review coming out in a, in a couple of days' time. The other thing I want to talk about is a synth that I bought uh, made by Erica Synths, um, which I believe are a Latvian company. It's the, sort of their take on the EMS Synthi, um, which is a suitcase-type synth. It's called the Syntrix. Um, I've had it a couple of days now, and oh, my God, this thing is incredible. Uh, there'll be a link in the podcast notes. You know, people who are into synthesizers, check it out. But but the great thing about this thing is it it's so raw. It's, it's a, essentially a modular synth with onboard speakers and a spring reverb, and a real spring reverb with a spring. So you can be doing stuff with it, turn the speakers on, hit the side of the case, and the whole thing freaks out. It's the most fun I've had in years. What about you, Eli? My find of the week um, is was uh, introduced to me by a friend of the blog, Andy Cherna, and my friend, uh, called Fluid Pitch, and it's from a new company called Pitch Innovations. It's a MIDI effects plugin, which they show in their video working in Logic, but I'm sure other you know DAWs that support MIDI effects plugins will be able to support it also. But it's a really interesting MIDI effects plugin. It's a scale-locked pitch bending system, and what it does is it, basically locks pitch bend to scales so you can use your pitch bend wheel and ins- and it'll move you know within a key that you can define and you can of course customize the scales and keys and it also includes support for MPE functions and it does polyphonic pitch bending so you can you know hold a chord move your pitch bend wheel up and it'll move diatonically to you know, however you set it, but it'll move within a specific key and tonal center, which is really interesting. Check out in the podcast notes. I have a link to the site, but I also have a link to the YouTube video demonstration, and it's pretty impressive. Awesome. Do you have a um, an MPE keyboard or controller? I don't. You know, and uh, you know, it's funny because watching this video, it made me kind of want to think about getting one. Mm, yeah, I've looked at a, a couple of the Rolly products. Uh, I know know a couple of people that work there, and, and I have wanted to get my hands on one. Maybe that's something we can arrange at some point. It'd be very cool. Yeah. What about you, Jules? Um, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a record rather than some gear, but this was a really nice turn up for the books for me just because, um, uh, I, as I've mentioned before on the blog, I used to teach. I used to teach on, uh, on a music course. And there's been a few people came out of that course that actually did, did pretty well. All these people who say, oh, you're wasting your time going to, going to college and learning this stuff. You know, <laughs> some people are, but some people aren't. And uh, from that, in my, during my tenure, we had a few people. Um, uh, Flux Pavilion, who's a successful uh, drum and bass producer. Uh, Slow Tie, who was like, you know, the rapper du jour last year. Um, he was another one. But um, this is going back, right the way back to, it must be maybe 2006. And uh, it's a uh, singer-songwriter who uh, who was a student that I'd never met because uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I don't think she was all that great at coming to college. But I do remember at a gig that we did uh, at a pub 
in town and she did the most stunning just kind of solo acoustic cover of um uh, of a Bruce Springsteen song um I'm trying to remember which one I'm not a big fan of Bruce Springsteen but she absolutely nailed this one um uh Dancing in the Dark that's it isn't it that's a Bruce Springsteen song anyway um her name is Katie Malko and uh, she's released her debut album Failures um she must be comfortably into her 30s now so it's taken a while but um and I listened to it and it really illustrated something fantastic to me it's brilliant album's called Failures um uh, I'll put a link in the notes and the thing I really liked about it is a good, strong song, uh, song-based album. Uh, songs are good, and without that, basically you're lost, you're nowhere. But the thing I thought was really interesting about it was that it's a great album with great mixes, but the mixes are not slick, they're not polished. They're actually surprisingly raw, and they've sli- got a slightly amateurish feel to them, but they do what a good mix is supposed to. And it's kind of guitar-driven music. Um, uh, it's, the press stuff's describing it as alt-rock but I don't really know what that means. That sounds pretty broad to me. But check it out and have a listen. And the thing that I found is especially, I mean, I was listening to it on Spotify, the temptation to flick past stuff when you're streaming is so immense. It's mm. so unusual for me to listen to a whole album, especially an album that I've never heard. And I listened to the whole thing straight through without a break. And it never actually just, you know, lost my attention for long enough for me to flick off onto something else, which regrettably is the way a lot of people's music listening goes, particularly with new music. So, yeah, Katie Malko failures. Check it out. You might like it. Beautiful. So on that, uh, I think it's time to wind this up. So, uh, yeah, that's been the podcast. uh, And, uh, yeah, uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. Good night. Good night.